0: Back, Simon Head bringing you episode number 12 of the MMA podcast with a distinctly British flavour. Now, my buddy Shemak Sandu isn't with me right now, but he was with me at Oxygen side at UFC 204. And that's what we're going to bring you right here, right now on the Brit Pack. Please bear in mind, it's loud. It was loud in that building. The atmosphere was crazy. Compare it with Dublin, compare it with Glasgow, compare it with the big Conor McGregor fights, because it really was that electrifying in the arena in Manchester on Saturday night we will bring you live reaction or it was live when we recorded it uh, between the fights at UFC 204 and then after the fights my buddy Sandu sat down with Mike Barn of MMA Junkie and Rolling Stone and the daddy of them all, Mr. John Morgan of MMA Junkie and the MMA Roadshow to get some post-fight reaction from them as we wrapped up UFC 204 it's a fun show this week, check it out
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the Britpacker octagon side at UFC 204. Simon Head, Shamatkar Sandu, and uh, we're a few fights in, Sandu. Yep. We've had uh, we had a few pretty successes, and we've had we one or two Brits who haven't quite been able to get that W. Mike Perry versus Danny Roberts. What a fight! I can't believe it. One of the best fights I've ever
2: seen in person. and first. Uh, just kind of off the buzz, lads. Just unbelievable stuff. Uh, Danny Roberts was pretty much saved by the buzzer in both the first and second round, but showed so much heart and grit and determination to stay in the fight. Mike Perry, I think, his next facial tattoo needs to be iron across his chin because he has got an iron chin. Perhaps um, they, you know, the referee should have, you know, waved it off instead. Impressed in one way or another. I mean, you know, people you know, saying that maybe perhaps he didn't have uh, what it took to go the distance in a fight, but it proved they can do it. And uh, yeah, like he said, unfortunately for the, the British contingent, not a good night for Danny Roberts. But
1: the following fight, marty Akaze, unbelievable debut. It's what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, marty Akaze, we've been high this guy. Ever since he exploded his way to the Banner Lightweight, the Banner British Lightweight title. Um, he went in there against Lucas Sujeski, tried to get that spectacular early KO. And he get taken down. and was held down for a long time in that fight. He had to overcome a to adversity in that fight. Show some good defensive rugby skills. Stayed safe on the map. Then when he got back up to his feet, it was time to uh, start showcasing those striking skills that he had. And Sujeski yeah, is a tough, durable guy who really hung in there way longer than a lot of lightweights would have done last. Very, very difficult assignment. More difficult than the you probably thought it was going to be in Fairness. In hindsight, that is exactly what he needed. He needed a little bit of adversity. He needed to be given a real test. He got that test was Suggesting and got the TKO win with a really, really nice TKO stoppage. We also saw Leon Edwards standing against Albert Tumanov because Leon Edwards grappling, that got the fight down
2: absolutely, and you know, again, I think it is just now tired to showcase his all-round game. You know, I think Leon Edwards historically has been known as a really good striker, but to take two back the way he did and, and then in that redneck choke, excellent, excellent stuff there. And, uh, and David Grant's about to walk out for yeah, the uh,
1: fight. we got David Grant versus Damian Stasiak. Then we got Brad one-punched. we Yuri Alcatara. And then we're into the main card. Vectic versus Dones. Two left from Skyscraper Street versus Daniel Obelaccio. OSB, Oguns for through. Taking on Landry's Jimmy the most of way Manoa. Belfort, Vitor Belfort versus Tagov, Massassi. assassin. And then the one-fighter it is Dan hendo Henson for all the marbles at UFC 2054.
2: Well, one one thing Simon, I think you agree with this as well. Oh my god, why boys are just thing? Shout out to Mega Procur.
1: We'll be back. All right, well, Pat, we've just had the conclusion of the UFC tournament here in Manchester. And in what a role it goes for we've got. If you the British uh, here in the UFC, we're getting good wins, we're getting rushing losses. Um, talk to us about some of those fights that we've just seen. Yeah, I mean, well, the fight we just saw right now was uh,
2: Brad Pickett versus Yuri Alcantara my God. Alcantara uh, did pretty much anything and everything he wanted to Stood with him, hit him, took him down. Unbelievable transitions on the ground and got that arm triangle finish at the end there. And, uh... I mean, picket, pioneer, legend of UK MMA. But he's only won one fight in his last six now, I believe. And, um, at 38 years of age, you have to wonder if, um, he should be doing this anymore to be honest and uh, if the UFC will even keep him around um, but not a good night for Pickett prior to that David cried again against the French perspective you know not, not good for him but in terms of the fight itself, you know I thought he was doing some really good work there you know uh, against Daisy actually yeah. getting into the body and I think if he'd done a bit more of that that could have uh, got him through to the wind there but my god Daisy had there's an armbar on him and I thought for a second that Groddle was going to do the Dan Hardy and uh, just
1: somehow managed to stick and for but he stayed in there didn't he he did it in, there. It was... in the post fight interview Stacey said that he felt Davy Grant's arm break not once but twice uh, so at that point he knew the fight was going to get stopped Davy Grant is one tough tough man and for me he was winning that fight uh, he went in an early Okay, saw me back in the second round and looked like he'd be cruising to a decision win stays in the current he operator, though. he's got that arm bar on and he did not let it go You was look a dog with a bone with David Grant's arm yeah. and um, Grant did not want to tap he had to in the end and um, you just hope he doesn't have- by uh, Triangle Joke, Daniel Stasiak, beating David Grant by armbar. Leon Rocky Edwards, with for me, one of the performances of the night so far, to, uh, to submit Albert Einstein-Tubernog. Very highly rated. Submitted him in, in the third round. Mark the occasion up and running in his USC career. Mike Perry beating Danny Roberts by business knockout. In what, for me, for you, UFC boss James Elliott is the fighter tonight so far. James just caught past the desk here on Fresh Road He said if that doesn't win fight tonight, the then boy are we in for one hell of a fight on the main card tonight. Leonardo Santos beat Adriano Martins in the early fight I said earlier, it sucked it really blew, we won't talk about that main card, Mercedes Vectic shall and Henderson for the UFC middleweight title. The atmosphere here is building. The arena has been full since 2am uh, and it's only going to get loud. Gentlemen, your UFC Middleweight Champion is still Michael the Count Busby. Shabako Sandu, yeah. what an unbelievable roller coaster of a fight. There weren't many fans sitting in their seats during that contest. Um, it was drama. There was there was a, the comeback element. Michael Bisping looked done twice in that fight, yeah. and he came back twice and retained his championship. We thought we'd seen it all with the Anderson Silver fight earlier this year. Uh, he came back and did it again. Michael Bisping, unbelievable. I just read out this.
2: This main event had all the makings of a Hollywood movie. Such drama, such emotion, there was so many things, there's so many things you guys set and talk about. Pendo landed the hedge bomb twice in round one and round two, almost finished Fisping. Fisping then somehow got the energy and the guts and the determination to come back in this fight. The game plan kept picking him apart you know, we all know how much output he has got the judges scorecard in his favour I personally have scored it a draw uh, looking online you had some fellow like media journalists uh, score it for Hendo some scored it for Bisping he got the result tonight uh, you can't argue with it I think either which way uh, there would have been no problem for me if he was scored it for, for Bisping for Hendo or give it a draw but he got his he got the job done Bisping is still the champion he got a hell of a promo that's how it's done he just destroyed Jacare and uh, Rockhold and Weidman and Romero that's how it's done when you've got the spotlight when Brian Stan is asking you the question that's how you deliver a promo he's a class act he's a he's a, he's a veteran of sport. and um, you want to get the blueprint that's how you can carve out,
1: carve out a top level career in the UFC absolutely for the record I scored it for Michael Bisbee I gave him I gave him rounds 2, 3, 4, 5 I gave Henderson a 10-8 in the first round. That's what kept it close on my scorecard. 48-47 on my card. And I suspect that might be how a lot of the judges scored now. I'd be interested to see how the scorecards come out. We get sent over by email. So yeah. we'll actually see the breakdown
0: round by round of how those rounds were scored. Yep. Bisman is now
1: indelibly put on his record the fact that he's just a guy who can take adversity, come scream back, and and the other side of Victor that for me may even have eclipsed the Anderson Silver performance I, yeah, think, I, agree. I think for me that, that fight had everything yeah. you can't also uh,
0: underestimate the the, uh, the role that the Manchester crowd here had to play Absolutely. it emptied out really really quickly uh, there are going to be a lot of people uh, having a celebratory breakfast this morning because as we speak it is 25 to 6 in the yeah. morning Um the noise in this crowd people talk about Dublin people talk about Glasgow people talk about Cleveland even but an incredible atmosphere Conor McGregor fights in Vegas notoriously good atmosphere the the atmosphere in here was right up there with the best of them and we saw one of the all time great atmospheres one of the all time great uh, come from behind performances because that's what it was from Michael Bisping he had his back against the wall after that first round and he, he bit down on his mouthpiece he came fighting back, and that is why Michael Bisping is still your UFC middleweight champion of the world. Incredible night of fights, Sandu. If, aside from the main event, if you were picking out one particular fight that really stood out to you, what, what would it be? Well, it's got to be the poster boy, Jimmy Manuel from London. You know, um, we all know he's a, he's
2: a powerful striker, and um, you know he needed that kind of signature victory. OSP, Obain St. Proof just fought the greatest of all time in my opinion. And he and took him all the way with a broken arm. With a broken arm. And this is a pay-per-view main card spot for Jimmy Manua. Yep. Uh, and he destroyed him. He absolutely yep. knocked him out cold. Highlight reel knockout. One of the best of the year. He'll probably get a performance of a bonus for that. Um, yes. If I'm being quite honest, a bit of a shame that he didn't call somebody out. And and again, I'll go back to what Bisping did there at the end. You had some moments in the night where Brian Sand was giving the fighters an opportunity when they just got a pretty, really big win. Stefan Struve's another one, you know, to call somebody out and they didn't take the opportunity. And, you know, fair play to them. If that's how they want to, you know, use that time, it's all down to them. But from our point of view, you know... That's how you can generate interest and kind of really kind of build your name and get some of the big pay-per-view, big-name um, you know, fights here in the UFC. Gegard did a great job calling out Anson Silva uh, in his post-fight interview. Um, but, yeah, for me, um, performances uh, aside from Bisping,
3: obviously uh, Jimmy Manuel's knockout was just ridiculous.
0: Yeah, and just, just a little note from me on, on Jimmy. I'll, he's probably the one fire I've watched more than any other, just through coincidence that the, uh, the domestic shows that I used to cover back in the day Jimmy Manuel was a major, major uh, yeah. player on those shows. Yeah. Uh, getting lots of big knockout finishes. Um, and uh, I've spoken to him on more than one occasion and said that big highlight reel knockout will come. Yeah. If you believe in it, it will come. And boy, did it come this weekend. Amazing, 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 amazing performance from Jimmy, the post-boy Manuel. Standout performances for me. For me, there were two others. Marty O'Kasey yeah. had to overcome some adversity today. I think he thought he was going to go in there and blow Lucas get out of the water. Yeah. Found himself in a little bit of trouble that first round dealt with it showed some maturity came back stronger uh, and uh, learned from his early mistake lit him up and won and a big big thumbs up to Leon Rocky Edwards. You, took, you talk about all the, all the British stars in the UFC. Leon is a very quietly spoken guy. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't make a lot of waves on social media. He does all his talking in the octagon, trust me. He gets his head down, yeah. works hard, trains at one of the best gyms in the UK, UTC, up there in Birmingham. And you can see what it's doing for his game. I mean, he came into the UFC known as a striker. But he's got he's got a ground game about him now. Yep. He used his wrestling to beat Dominic Waters, yep. and uh, he used his jiu-jitsu to beat Albert Tumanov today. Really impressive. And Albert Tuminoffs a guy who a lot of people, the other side of the channel in particular, have been really high on. He put him away in impressive fashion. Great performance from Leon Rocky Edwards. The music has stopped here in the Manchester Arena. It's, it's crazy, it's, it's almost nice 6 and, o'clock in the morning. It's, it's nice and calm, it's yeah. too loud, it's too loud. It normally <laughs> is the calm before the storm, but we had a storm now with the calm. God, did we? So <laughs> so, so, what we're going to do now, we're going to pack things up here, get our reports done, and uh, we're going to head back to the press room for the press conference. We'll grab some post-fight reaction back there, and uh, we, will, we will speak to you very, very soon.
3: Right, so it's past 10 o'clock in the morning here on Sunday, uh, post-UFC 204, and... Let's be honest, the Brit Pack is running on fumes. Yeah. Uh, we're pretty tired, so uh, I've managed to collar my Canadian Commonwealth colleague uh, for MMA Junkie and Rolling Stone, Mike Bond, uh, who's been here covering UFC 204 all week long. And, and Mike, you're just a, you know an hour or two away from flying home, but your instant reaction first of all to UFC 204, the event, uh, especially the main event, where, obviously, Michael Bisping got his hand raised in victory.
4: Yeah, spectacular event overall. I mean, that's really all you could ask for. I was worried that with the late start time and everything, that if this event dragged at all with, like, you know, bad fights or, like, a bunch of decisions in a row or something, that the crowd would get super restless and kind of take away from it. But it was great. I mean, we had a decision in the first fight of the night, then nine finishes in the row leading up to the main event, and then you got a highly competitive five-round, you know, fight that will probably... It's not fight of the year or anything, but it, I think it probably will be on like the top ten kind of list towards the end of the year. It was just a great fight between Bisbing and Henderson. Um, I thought Dan Henderson won watching it, you know, in person, uh, not on like a television monitor and not with commentary or anything like that. So I was a little bit further away. I was in the auxiliary seating for that main event, and uh, you know, it's kind of hard to see there. What it seemed like Henderson was landing some good stuff, but it's harder to tell if like Bisbig's slipping it. It's just more difficult to see, but in person I thought Henderson, you know, undisputably won the first round. Uh, you could even say that was a 10-8. Uh, I just scored a 10-9, and then the second round I thought the knockdown got Henderson the round again, and then Bisping kind of did what he does in the third and the fourth. His resiliency, the fact that he even came back and was still pressuring Henderson, walking forward nonstop. Like The fact that he got dropped and nearly knocked out twice in the first two rounds didn't make him more timid at all, didn't have him backing down, which is super impressive if you're just trying to take positives away from Bisping's performance. But then I thought Dan Henderson took that fifth round. I know he didn't really do anything with the takedown he got, but he did get Bisping to the ground. He controlled him for a little bit of time, and I just thought he he was a little bit more active in that fight. And I think a lot of that had to do with the break he got from the low kick uh, that we saw I believe that was in round four mm-hmm. and after that Dan Harrison seemed like to have to have a lot more energy to come out in the latter portion of that round and then the fifth and I, I thought he won but the judges didn't see it that way unfortunately and it would have been great to get that storybook ending but at the same time uh, you have Michael Bisbing who is continuing his storybook ending or run to this portion of his career so uh, probably the best case scenario for the UFC you don't really want Dan Henderson winning the belt and then just you know, leaving it behind to vacate it right away. So all things considered, um, I'm glad it went down the way it did just because Dan Henderson, it would have sucked to see him get starched in the first round or have one of those performances where he just didn't look good at all. So I think for everyone involved, uh, probably a pretty positive situation. And Dan Henderson, you know, of course, bummed out he didn't get the title. But what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, the, sc- the scorecards are something
3: that's definitely going to be uh, debated and I suppose, for me personally, I scored it a draw. Uh, but I, I have no problem if you scored it um, for Bisping or for him. or if you scored it a draw, I think those mm-hmm. are all viable options, uh, the way you judge the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, something I did want to speak to you about, and it's the post-fight uh, interview uh, with Michael Bisping in, inside the Octagon. And obviously, he just absolutely cut a hell of a promo on, the, on Rockhold and Romero and Jacare and Weidman, and it was kind of a running theme throughout the night where we had you know these these, these guys that were you know having a massive performance, getting a big victory. Brian Stan literally laying it up for them mm-hmm. to call somebody out, you know, giving, give give them a name, and they didn't take that opportunity. And then you had adversity, Michael Biskin once again leading the way, showing how it's done. Um, what have you made of the situation with regards to fighters who do call out names and they don't
4: call out names and? You know, what's your general thoughts on that, anyway? I, I think you should have a plan at, at some in some case, but for everyone to just say, like, everyone should have a name that they should call like this and that, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, you have a guy like Prasad Bekdik, who I think probably stands out in that group. He got that huge first-round submission win over Russell Doan, and then he gets asked who he wants to fight next, and his, like he tried a little bit, you know, Dana White, give me my chicken, or whatever he said there, and it's just like... Then people are making fun of him on social media being like, how bad is this? He's not good at this. So it's not everyone's thing, you know, like we can't expect all these guys to be Conor McGregor or Michael Bisbing or anyone that's just even like a a Mickey Gall who, you know, had his plan in mind for Sage Northcutt. Like not everyone's going to be able to do that and be able to line up a fight for themselves that makes sense. So. I think if we just had the point where... I know it's the job inter- or the job of the interviewer who's going into the octagon, whether it's you know, Joe Rogan or Brian Stan or John Anik or whoever, to ask these guys, what do you want next? But for us to sit there and say, you know, all of them should know... These guys just got in a fist fight too, right? Like, some of, that's what makes Bisping so impressive—the fact that he was probably concussed, yeah. almost knocked out twice in the fight, and then he goes in and can like lay down a speech like that. That's why Michael Bisbing is one of a kind in the sport. But if everyone's doing that, it just kind of takes away some of the specialness and what's so impressive about a guy like McGregor or Bisping or uh, whomever. So. I think you got to have room for both. I don't think we should be so hard on some of these guys. I mean, if you're getting a, if you're beating like a top five guy or whatever, like Musashi, say for example, beats Vitor Belfort, and he knows exactly what he wants. Even if it's fight the fights that don't make sense. Anderson Silva, uh, who knows what's going on with him right now. I mean, he's saying that he's pissed at the UFC. They're not treating him that well. Or there's rumors he could fight GSP. So. There's all that stuff going on, and then Uriah Hall, who I think Musashi's well beyond at this point, Uh, but I understand why he wants that one back. So, like, it's kind of a mix, but at least have some. I think you should have some plan, but at the same time, like, there's just so many guys in the UFC, so many fights. I don't think we can expect that out of everyone.
3: One of the running themes of the week was start time, right? You know, three o'clock main card start locally here, and it's going to be weird because. You flying over from Toronto, it's I think for you it's kind of been a case of just trying to maintain the yeah. same North American time zone that you're yeah. used to. Whereas for us uh, locals here in, in England and Europeans flying over, it's been a case of adjusting to the North American time zone. I think we've just about made it here. Yeah. Uh, come the night of the fight, and now we're probably going to spend like three or four days yeah. getting back, you know, used to our own local time zone here in, in the in the UK. Let me ask you about the crowd, the atmosphere. What were your thoughts coming in? You've been to quite a few shows now, North America and Brazil as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your thoughts in regards to, what, what were you anticipating the crowd to be like? And what you, What do you think of them overall throughout the night?
4: I thought they were awesome. I mean, from the beginning of the first fight of the night, it seemed like there was already like 80, 90% of the people in attendance. So that's all you can really ask out of a, you know a crowd to show up for the first bout and I know it was later in the night, so I think a lot of people probably went out for you know dinner or drinks or whatever, then came to the fights with already a few beverages in them. But they didn't, you know, seem too uh, too negative. Like they didn't seem too roushous. Like there wasn't fights breaking out or anything like that. Like I think some people were expecting it to be that way. Uh, they were great. I mean. They weren't really given much, many reasons to be a poor crowd. They got a very entertaining card. Pretty much every fight delivered, except for maybe the first bout mm-hmm. uh, between Leonardo Santos and Antonio
5: uh, Adriano Adrian Martinez. Yeah. it's late. Um, <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah, so I think other than that, I mean, we the card gave them no reason to act in a in a bad way, and they they were awesome. I mean, going into the main event. They were singing, you know, Bisbing's walkout song. And they were chanting along with Bruce Buffer during the introductions, and you know, minus what I saw. I think because I was out there in the crowd area for the main event, and I think when Bisbing got dropped the first and second round, people were like throwing, uh, throwing glasses and throwing their beers and stuff. And at that point, I was sitting in the crowd, and I just got out of there and I went up to like the top of the entrance where it was covered because I knew I'm like, Bisbing gets knocked out here, like this is going to be a lot more, and I don't want. Beer gang thrown on my brand new suit and all this stuff. <laughs> so, but other than that, they, they were awesome. They were super loud, uh, energetic. I did talk to a couple of people when I was out there. I was like, How are you guys feeling right now? Like, are you from here? And they're like, We're good. And we're all good. So, they, uh, you know, it's not ideal. I wish that you guys could get the fights on your normal time because I know that everyone is forced to stay up and watch all these North American events or Brazilian events super late. Uh, so it's unfortunate that when they come to your market, they can't cater to you. But I understand why the UFC does it. Of course, their pay-per-views you know, are catered towards the North American times. So I thought for what it was, a spectacular crowd in Manchester, I think they, they'll definitely be back again, especially if Brisbane can hang on to that title for you know, one or two more fights. They could bring him back easily.
3: Well, look, Bisping and Henderson are definitely going to dominate all of the headlines, and, and rightly so. It was an instant classic of a fight with, yeah. you know, all the makings of a Hollywood classic, you know, the drama, high emotion, the yeah. tension, all sorts of stuff going on. But to try and remove yourself from the main event, just for a split second, is there one story uh, this week, uh, a fighter, a performance tonight, or an actual fight, uh, that for you sticks out more than the others?
4: Um, I think in terms of performances, I mean, Jimmy Manoa was unreal. He absolutely starched OSP in that second round. And for him, I think, you know, we talked to him. I think everyone kind of has similar questions. His career, his UFC run, just hasn't been ideal. Uh got off to a good start. I think he won three in a row. And then but they're just kind of weird endings, unfulfilling endings, whether it's a doctor stoppage or a guy, you know, calling the fight when he's still on the stool in between rounds. Just hasn't been the most emphatic of victories. And this one we know exactly what he's capable of osp coming off the going five rounds with john jones in interim title fight uh, i think a lot of people you know thought he moved up a little level even losing that fight and manua came in there and took all his shine so i think right there the light heavyweight division even though manua i believe is 36 years old needs all the uh, faces competitive fighters you know highlight real producing guys that can get and manua is right up there and his only two career losses are to anthony johnson and alexander Gustafson there's nothing to be ashamed of there, so he's a guy that if he can stay healthy, if he can fight consistently, I'm very interested to know what he's capable of, and then on top of that, you got mentioned Gagar Musashi, I mean, from day one this week, even just the past few months, he's really, really coming out of his shell, uh, you know, isn't hesitant to drop an F-bomb, call, you know, the ranking stupid, just say anything he wants, that guy is hilarious, you know, and the complete opposite of when we used to see him come into the square earlier in his days, people said, you know, he never smiles, and now it's like he's not—he's never not smiling. So, yeah, Musashi is awesome. Uh, I remember just being a fan of him back when he was in, fighting in Dream and in Strike Force and I was wondering if he'd ever make it to the UFC. And he's here. He had a, bit, a couple ups and downs to start his run, you know, the losses to Machida and Jacare and stuff, but now it seems like he's really rolling. He's won four in a row. I think he's finished three of those. So he's a guy that... As long as he, he keeps this going, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him in a title fight, you know, very soon. It's just the middleweight division It's kind of tough right now with all these big matchups. It seems like he's the odd man out. So, uh, if I were him, I would just, you know, it doesn't really seem like he took any damage tonight. I'd get right back in the gym and prepare myself in case either you know, Chris Weidman, uh, Yoel Romero, Jacques Luke Rockhold, uh, Derek Brunson, or um, who am I mind blanking here, Robert Whitaker gets injured in those upcoming fights and he could slide right in there and then he wins that and now we're talking i want to end on this
3: uh with you mike dan henderson that's it it's it's, it's over yeah. you know the, the guy is a legend of the sport he's going into retirement now um i guess it's kind of hard to kind of uh you know really kind of go into an essay mode and kind of talk about his career but yeah. just your initial thoughts on what his legacy is in the sport and how do you think he'll be remembered as an mma fighter
4: yeah, it's. Uh, I'm a little bit sad. I mean, I've had the chance now. I think I've been. Uh, I was at Randy Couture's fight. I was at Chuck Liddell's last fight. Um, I was at what I thought was BJ Penn's last fight. Seems like you might be having one more now and the BJ Pen one was really sad because he was like he just got crushed in that fight and you know he was like crying and stuff and it was just it was very depressing but this one was depressing on another angle because I thought Henderson should have won the fight I thought he should have had his fairy tale moment the UFC belt is the only thing that's eluded him you know he got that tournament championship back at UFC 17 I think it was and then of course the pride belt in uh, two divisions the strike force belt just an amazing career a career that 99% of fighters could only wish and dream that they could have, and it uh, would have been just the uh, perfect end to it if he had got that title tonight. But it didn't go his way. And you know, what does he mean to us for? He's a guy that fighters forever are going to try to use as an example and inspiration, of, even if it's maybe not the most positive thing of hey, like Dan Henderson could fight into his mid 40s. Like, why can't I do that? And maybe some guys are, you know, setting that as. A pinnacle that is unreachable because they just want to keep going when they're in a tough spot in their career but Henderson did it uh, he always did it right he was absolutely classy in victory or defeat every time out um, seemed like you know it was going to be a very ugly end to his career when he was losing uh, I think he lost to Musashi and then Vitor Belfort in a row and they were like the fights were, the stoppages were coming, he was known forever for being such a durable guy, and then finally those knockouts started to come, uh, the more decisive losses, and you're like, man, how is this going to end for Dan Henderson, like, this does not seem like it's going to be a pretty finish to his career, it seems like he's going to be pushed out the door. Uh, by the UFC, by whomever, by his team, and it didn't go that way. He managed to get the win he needed uh, against Hector Lombard, set up this title shot, and he went out on his terms, and as a combat sports athlete, I think that's all you can really ask for. Um, You know, it wasn't the perfect ending with that title, but still, like, very good. He was just a hair short of being the champion, so I think... He said he can live with it. If he can live with it, we should all be able to live with it. So Henderson, I mean, we should all be thanking him for his service. I hope the UFC gives him the job he's looking for. I don't know exactly what it's going to be, but I think he's one of those guys that deserves it. He can be a very good role model and a teacher to fighters that are coming up in the sport. He's been doing it for two decades, pretty much been through every era from no rules to pride rules to UFC rules to, to it all. So, um, you know, I think we should all be thanking him, and he's absolutely a Hall of Famer. Uh, Hopefully they give that to him sooner than later, and hopefully he gets his job, and he's very happy in post-fighting life. It seems like he's, you know, he has a beautiful family, a beautiful wife. seems like he's made some good money. So, uh, you know, I think Dan Henderson's career is one that every fighter should aspire to even, you know, match by 50% well look Mike
3: it's been great to be with you again on a fight week it's been a lot of fun yep. I guess I'm going to see you in New York and, yep. then, um, and your European tour is an ending in 2016 you're going to be back uh, over on this side of the pond for the Belfast
4: card right? Absolutely and that, that should be fun too I don't think we'll get the, uh, the grabbiness from our Dong Young Kim uh, Gunnar Nelson main event but that should be a good fight and there's some other good matchups on there as well and of course 205 is going to be you know we, we don't even need to talk about that it basically says it all for itself
3: Absolutely. Well, appreciate you jumping on board the, the show this week and helping us out and uh, safe travels home. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. So like I said, on this week's episode of the Brit Pack, we need some help. Me and Simon, we can't get it done ourselves. We're running on fumes. <laughs> uh, we've had to adjust to the North American time zone, so we had to get some North American journalists to help us out. Already spoke to Mike Bond. Now i am been joined by my good friend and colleague, MMA junkie, MMA junkie, John Morgan. John, you've been around for a lot of UFC events around the world and various time zones. What was it like watching a main card kickoff at 3 o'clock in the morning?
5: Oh, man, this was crazy. Uh, you're right. I have seen some weird ones early in the morning. Sometimes late at night. I mean, Brazil's done a couple that have run pretty late. You know, I think I remember, like, Aldo Mendes walking to the cage at, like, 4 o'clock or something like that. So, uh, it was it was unique. But um, I thought what, what I was a little worried about is if the crowd energy would be there. If Maybe they'd be a little too tired or a little too drunk or whatever else. And uh, they delivered, man. So, it was uh, – It was a weird week all week because we were – I mean, it kind of wasn't that hard physically because it was basically just staying on American time. Mm. But it's just still weird to do that when you're like – sleeping during the day and staying up at night and all that so it was kind of a bizarre week from start to finish but uh tonight was amazing
3: yeah i think the closest that i've come to experiencing something like this was a stockholm event Mm -hmm. um i think it was a year or two ago now um and i think that ended around three i want to say maybe three or four um with a very quiet swedish crowd as i recall (laughs) (laughs) um the, the the manchester fan base and the crowd here was totally the opposite um Let's talk about that for a second. When Bisping walked out, and obviously Bisping had the ups and downs going through his fight, and the crowd were just really getting behind
5: him. You know, how are you taking that all in, dude? It was uh, it was phenomenal, man. The entire atmosphere was amazing. It was, um, I mean, kind of reminiscent in some ways of the Anderson Silva fight uh, earlier this year, where it was just the the ups and downs, and and, and Mike having to really fight through stuff and and, and show his heart and show his character. Uh, so I thought that was uh, that was pretty amazing to see. But yeah, it was. Not, I mean. For him to be knocked down, and then for Hendo to leap forward in the exact—I mean, it looked like a carbon copy of UFC 100, uh, but it just not quite land. And for him to battle up—I mean, uh, the energy that was in there when he, when he made his way to his feet was awesome. And then, uh, you know, round two to get dropped again—it's like, oh God, you know, how does he do this? But he kept finding a way to do it, kept finding a way to do it, and and the crowd was supporting him and, and cheering him on, and uh, just amazing, man. It really—it really was an uh, an amazing energy, amazing atmosphere. And uh, you know the, the the cheers and the chants and the support is you know it's reminiscent of like a soccer crowd, a football crowd, right, and, right. And uh, we still never get those in the states. You know what I mean? It's we we just we don't get that stuff. So it's like a, it's like a unique atmosphere, and I, I dig it.
3: You know what, John? You have been covering this sport longer than anybody else I know. Wax poetic on dan henderson for me right now
5: ah dan henderson's the man dude i mean just uh you know I, I i say that in in pretty confidently honestly i think he's the greatest american mixed martial artist of all time just what he's accomplished and what he's been able to do in his career i mean you you, you go through and just see the the fights that he's had and the wins he's had and what he's done and coming here at his age and um t- you know to 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 nearly walk away with the title i mean he was a punch or two away on two different occasions, you know? And, and I saw a lot of people that actually did score the fight, you know, for Dan Henderson and said that, uh, you know, they think maybe he took one, two and five, you know, I think Mike Bond had him, had him taken one, two and five. And, um, you know, I, I, I didn't think he did enough in, in, in round five, but, but still to, 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 to be competing at the highest level at that age and being so close and, uh, and, and to, you know, you can't say enough about him and, and, uh, Man, you just think the fact, you know, how long he's been around the game, man. I mean, this is somebody that really does date back to the early days of the sport. I mean, generations of of, of martial arts. I mean, how many guys have come and gone since the time that he stepped in? It's right. the, the longevity that he's been able to have is, is incredible. And then, you, you know, you, you throw in all his wrestling accomplishments and all that. Just just a, 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 a consummate professional stud uh that, that's done everything man it's a uh, shame to see him go but cool way to go out you know what I mean like to, not, to to go out in a way that you're like you know he came to the press conference didn't have a mark on his face right. Michael Bisping had to go to the hospital and we've seen the pictures and like it was scary I mean he was busted up and and he can kind of make a case hey I kind of even thought I won you know so to go out that way and say man I mean it would have been the perfect story of course but like I won the USC title the one thing I'd always wanted uh, and then I walk away. But to to go out the way he did, nothing wrong with it.
3: Anson Silva, Luke Rockhold, Dan Henderson. I know we've got a few months left in 2016, John, but for me, and I'm not saying this is going british British, um, but for me, Michael Bisping is the 2016 uh, UFC slash MMA fight of the year. Have you got any problem arguing that?
5: I don't see it. I mean... I guess maybe if Conor McGregor wins the title uh, against Eddie Alvarez, then you start going, well, yes, he's 2-1. Two-weight champion. Yeah, but all three fights were outside of his division. Uh, You know, the first fight with – you know, I mean, there's an argument. But even then, to me, all you could say is it's an argument. I mean, yes, he he would accomplish history by being the two-division champion, but you can make the argument. You can't say for sure, you know. But to me right now, yeah, it is Michael Bisping. I mean – Yes, it's an age Dan Henderson. Yes, it's an age Dan Silva, but they're both legends, you yep, know. And I agree. just the, the emotions of the fight. I mean, I, I still think that that Anderson Silva fight was one of my favorite fights of the year, one of my favorite fights I've ever been at, to be honest with you. Just the feel of the building, the ups and downs of the fight, well, you know, the emotion behind it. it. It was it was theater playing out, you know, in the cage, man. It was like a just, a, you know, a, a complete full story in there, you know. And so, uh, yeah, I think he is, and it's uh, it's crazy, man. I, UFC middleweight champion Michael Bisping is is not something I thought I'd ever see and now we've seen it and we've seen seen him defend it. It's raining and
3: defending. It's crazy. So Michael Bisping, the first ever British UFC champion. How, if you're the UFC, John, how best do you use him? Do you maybe bring bring him back for, say, there's rumors of a London show Mm -hmm. in the first quarter of next year? Do you, Roll the dice again with the the late you know start of the card here in the local uh, you know crowd and for that North American pay per view market, do you perhaps you know, throw him into a mix and and, and a stacked pay per view event next year in, in based on in America? How best do you
5: use, utilize him? I guess maybe you see how the numbers come back for this one, but uh, to determine exactly, I love putting him on that London show. I, I don't know if that's going to be a pay per view or a fight night or what it's supposed to be, but I love putting him in London. Uh, I mean, having him headlined here in England is a no-brainer. Seeing the way people got behind him was was incredible and amazing. And um, I think that I think that would be fantastic to put him in London. I, I know that you know sometimes you overdo it with putting a guy in a market or whatever, but I, I just don't see another English headliner right now. So I think you know putting him in a main event slot makes it big. It makes it important, and it gives you know uh, this market is still developing. Is obviously you're very well aware, uh, aware of it's. It's it's not quite where America is right now. It's a little bit behind, and so you know I think you still need to give people a reason to get invested and to be involved. And I think the best way to do that is to keep you know trotting out that English champion, you know, and letting them see like, look, this is our guy. We've got a dude that's the best in the world, and 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 you know, let's let's do that. Now, of course, it'll depend on how the matchups play out and and what fight they decide to go with. But yeah, I'd love to see him in London. I don't know if they wanna keep doing this middle of the night stuff. I mean it's it's uh it worked and it's good, but I think you and I talked, you know, beforehand. Part of it was kinda of like the novelty, you know, like Ah, yeah. oh, they're here, you're like we gotta go in the middle of the night, but that's kinda cool, we're going in the middle of the night, like I don't know, let's check that out. But sure. like every time I gotta go for a midnight start and get out with the sunrise rising at six AM I don't know how many times you buy tickets for that. Oh, no, I completely agree with you. So, obviously, Bisping and
3: Henderson are going to steal all the headlines, and rightly so. Mm-hmm. But is there uh, a fight, a fighter, a story this week that's really kind of caught your eye? Um, and is there so- something else, aside from the main event, that you think is something that people should talk about and read about tomorrow?
5: Well, I thought Gegard Mousasi looked really good. I know he's not in that top four of that you know middleweight contender list right now, that very deep middleweight contender list. Um, but I think he's right there behind him. So I think, I think he looked great. Uh, you know, patient in his attack of Vitor Belfort But then once he saw his opportunity, he just unleashed So I thought that was a, a fantastic one to watch uh, Of course, uh, Icazzi, this uh Looks like the real deal That was somebody that, you know, we were hearing A lot of hype about coming in I thought he really delivered That's somebody you definitely want to keep your eye on um, Enjoyed him Leon Edwards, I thought, had a great performance tonight um, so, you know, a handful of Brits did some pretty cool stuff. And of course, uh, you know, what didn't go his way with Danny Roberts, but, uh, a great fight with Mike Perry. I mean, that was a kind of a heck of a way to start out the night.
3: Yeah. And we talk about legend and Dan Henderson retiring another legend of the sport, Vitor Belfort, things didn't go his way tonight. Um, what do you think he's going to do next? There were, there were a few rumors that, you know, he was going to announce his retirement, um, in the cage tonight,
5: I uh, saw online. Do you think he fights again? Do you think he calls it a day? What do you think? I think it depends on what matches they come with him and I mean he's still a huge star I think he could possibly fight in Brazil but if I had to put my fight a guess right now uh I think he wants to fight I think it'll we'll see what his family Says around him, you know, he's got a wife and kids that have been there from the beginning. Everything that I've ever been told is that um, he doesn't need to fight for money anymore. He's been incredibly financially successful in like business investments and, and things that he's done in Brazil, and so he doesn't have a need to fight again. And if he doesn't have a need to fight again, I don't think he should fight again. Uh, I just, I just don't think it's there anymore. You know, it's at least not the highest level. I mean, if he wants to drop down and face, you know, some lower tier guys, maybe some kind of, um, it's just so hard. I mean, the guy's such a star, and he's been around forever. And what he's accomplished, like, it's not easy to be like, hey, we've got this guy that came off the ultimate fighter, and he's four and two. Like, why don't you fight him? Like, what? What?" You know, so for that reason, I think it it probably should be the last time we see him. I just think that he's such a superstar that he doesn't want to fight against anybody but top-tier fighters. But that top, top tier, that middleweight division right now is deep. Well, the next time the UFC is on pay-per-view is UFC 205. Mm.
3: It's coming up right around the corner. I think the uh, the whole crew is going to be there. Um, the UFC aired the official promo, um, which featured you know all the guys on that on that you know main card, all the title fight fighters, and I have to say it gave me some serious goosebumps. Um, great job by the UFC production Pro team. Pro wrestling, Mark. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I mean, you know, you've seen some promos in, in your time, but when we saw that, uh, yeah, it did good. it start to give you some of the?
5: It was good. The goosies? It was really good, man. It was really good. It was uh, nice production for sure about it. It looked sharp, and uh, yeah, man, I'm pumped for that card. That card is so good. I mean, it really is, top to bottom. Such a fantastic card, and um, you know, it's it's funny for me. I was talking to somebody about this earlier like you know the whole Madison Square Garden thing like yeah I mean I'm, I'm I'm excited I've never been to Madison Square I only cover mma so I've never been there for a, a boxing event or a hockey you know I've, I've never been there so I'm kind of excited about that but to me it's not like oh I mean it's it's the same show just in a different venue you right. know what I mean so it doesn't excite me that much as far as just being in Madison Square Garden it'll be a cool footnote it'll be interesting but it's not like the feature attraction for me right the feature attraction is this Ridiculous card, yeah. and uh, I'm looking forward to it.
3: Well, I can't wait. Well, listen, um, we have to start to pack up Ugh. our bags, and um, I don't know if you've got any uh, time left to have another Godfather before we all, you know, depart for the I'll week. Try to figure something. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> but uh, appreciate you jumping on helping us out, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening.
0: Okay, that was the Brit Pack episode number twelve. Thanks again for listening. Hope you enjoyed it this week. A little bit different this week uh, with some live. Live audio from Octave Inside. Uh, you can check us out on iTunes. You can check us out on Stitcher. And uh, you can get us on Acast as well. But probably the easiest place to find us is on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash TheBritPack. And you'll find links to all of the places where you can subscribe to get the show each week. You can follow Sandu on Twitter at SanduMMA. You can follow myself on Twitter at Simon Head, And, of course, you can follow the show's Twitter account at TheBritPackMMA. We'll go back to uh, a standard podcast format for next week's show. And uh, we'll start the countdown to UFC 205. It's not long to go now before all eyes turn to Madison Square Garden in New York City. Conor McGregor as he steps in with Eddie Alvarez looking to become the first ever UFC athlete to hold UFC World Championship belts in two weight classes simultaneously. Can he get the job done? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more on next week's show until then thanks for listening enjoy the fight and we'll speak to you very soon